Hello, everyone. Um, this is the Indian Diaspora podcast back again. Uh, this is episode 25. I am your host, Shashi, and I'm joined by uh, my full complement of co-hosts, Vijay, Vishwas, and Neeraj as well. Um, and having followed, having talked about movies last time, and especially our favorite movie of Shole, uh, this time we're going to go back to our childhood again and talk about the comics that made our life. Uh, we had such a rich life with comics of all varieties, and, uh, uh, and you know, it, it really enriched our life um, you know, at a time when very little else was available in the form of entertainment or indeed in the form of providing a lens into the outer world. So comics did make our life. Um, we'll have a fun time talking about them, reminiscing about um, you know, what we did and what we enjoyed or didn't uh, enjoy for that matter. Guys, comics. Um, you know, how can you start about comics without sort of really talking about Amar Chitra Katha? But we don't want this to be all about Amar Chitra Katha alone. Tell us, what were you reading? Vijay, do you want to start off? What were you reading as a child? Yeah, in, in early childhood, I guess you hit, hit it uh, correctly. There's Amar Chitra Katha was one of the things that we were reading a lot. Uh, I think almost every kid that grew up in India in those days, I don't know how, how uh, pervasive it is now, but we all grew up with these uh, comics that told us about, you know, Indian mythology and all these tales about, I mean, you know, the Ramayana and Mahabharata for sure. But I also remember reading all sorts of other interesting stories and some sometimes even felt made up, but they were always uh, sort of the, the go-to for uh, entertainment. So yeah, Amar Chetakasa for sure. I think some of the other things we read were Tinkle. Tinkle was another uh, comic, uh, very Indian comic that uh, we used to read. And then on the other side, I guess from the West, uh, we did get a lot of uh, stuff like Richie Rich uh, was something that I read when I was a kid. Archie came later uh, and Richie Rich was, you know, again, a little rich kid, uh, stories about him and his uh, cousin and all that stuff, which were very fascinating. It gave us a view into the West. One interesting thing I remember was uh, when I read these uh, Western comics, they used to have ads in them. And very interesting ads, very, very fascinating things in there. Uh, one of the things that really caught my attention uh, was these uh, food, the Hostess Twinkies and Cupcakes. Uh, I don't know if you ever remember seeing those oh, in yes. the comics you read as a child, but when I saw those, I would, my mouth would water and they, the pictures yeah. were amazing. And I'm like, these things are, you know, these are amazing. I wish I could get my hands on them. And believe it or not, after I came to grad school in America, I went looking for them. And, you know, they're pretty much everywhere in these, uh, even if you go to 7-Eleven or something, you can find them. At least then they were available everywhere. And I went and bought one of these Twinkies. And when I bit into it, I'm like, oh, it's not that great. It looked amazing. I waited all my childhood and into sort of adult life to find these. And finally, when I ate them, I said, okay, I kind of know what this is. And I moved on. But, uh, you know, that that there was a lot of stuff like that that used to fascinate and, you know, used to wonder, oh, what, what are the things that they get in other parts of the world that we don't get here? So those are my... But Vijay, I mean, you, you know, I mean, I hadn't, I had forgotten completely about the Hostess Twinkies, but now that you remind me, uh, it, it was so prominent in those comics, isn't it? But I think Richie Rich and Archie and all these were giving us a picture of a world that we found very difficult to imagine, isn't it? Yeah. It almost I mean, like a, an yeah. alien world. Yeah, it was very different. I mean, in Archie, it was all about also uh, more teenage life, right? And and dating and all that yeah. stuff. And, you know, they, they showed like small town America. Uh, you know, it was like a chocolate shop and all those kinds of things, the high school. It wasn't really city life as much as it was maybe in a suburban life, but uh, totally different from what we could imagine in our own. 
Absolutely. Uh, Vishwas, let me come to you. Um, I'm sure you've been reading some of the main, some of the same things, but uh, your your recollections of this? Yes, uh, Shashi. So a lot of uh, the same stuff. Uh, the the most uh, comics that I read would have been on uh, you know would have been Amar Chitrakatha, and uh, that was quite frankly. A lot of them. A lot of them. Uh, they they used used to be there in a library in the central government. So we were based in Delhi, and my father was working in the Indian government, and and uh, they used to have bound the Amar Chitrakathas, uh, ten, twelve in in one uh, binding, and he used to uh, get them for us, uh, and and that was frankly the way I got to know a lot about Indian culture. Because they presented Indian history and culture in a way that uh, our history uh, lessons did not in school, and and I think in a way that we could more easily relate to, in, and in a way that we were really interested in and in absorbing. But other than that, uh, uh, Indrajal comics, Mandrake was a fascinating character for me. Uh, you know the the idea that you could uh, actually uh put someone into a delusion or the mind can be deluded into believing something was was quite fascinating it uh, sort of uh, uh caught my attention and uh, and then uh, you know there there the related uh, themes to this in terms of our our uh, heritage that you know you know spiritual heritage says <laughs> world itself is a sort of a delusion so that was a a, a sort of a branch that uh, was an easy branch for me to take on and and develop an interest in later on richard rich casper wendy uh, also uh, not so much uh, diamond comics i did read some of those uh, but uh, somehow uh, did not uh, really uh peak my interest in the way the others did and then uh, tintin archie and asterix and asterix was a particular favorite as well because you know a lot of the sense of humor development i suppose happened through comics like asterix so vishwas here's the quiz question who was mandrake's sidekick me 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 lothar <laughs> lothar yeah lothar no, no, i'm asking because <laughs> hey you know we probably not read these comics for at least 30 years karma and narda i think they're they're, yeah. they're girlfriends in yeah. case you were asking and, that vijay in case i was asking <laughs> that and the chef jojo but the reason for asking is that we've not read these comics for 30 years at least and they've left an imprint where we remember not just the main character but the others as well that yeah and and mandrik had a twin brother by the way uh, yes. derek yeah. who was also a magician yeah Or is and, because the characters never die, right? They're always there. And there was a there was a, a secret organization that they were always trying to defeat, which looked very much like James Bond Spectre. Uh, and his uh, his uh, his evil brother, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the. So there are some characters that I've forgotten. Yep. Uh, who uh, wears a silver mask, death mask? Yes, yes. Sorry, Vijay. Also mentioning his house, Zanadu, where to enter, Zanadu, it, yeah. you yeah. have to go up that cliff, and there was a wall that yeah. would go down. And all that. Yeah. And, 
and a road that would split yeah so that was you know that's a house i don't mind living in i i could yeah. uh, get used to that yeah i i mean so many of these things you know the the, the terms that i do is from the poem called kublai khan which is you know actually shangdu in china supposed to be this fabled city and all that i mean so they were picking up all kinds of themes which you know when you connect them up much later in life you realize what these comics were trying to do but hey great uh, vishwas niraj yeah so <clears throat> as a child i was actually very avid reader sad to say that i don't read as much these days there were several reasons my mom was a librarian in her school so she used to bring the older copies of Champak, Nandan, Chanda Mama, and Lotport, and <clears throat> I was subscriber to Twinkle and Indrajal Comics. I had a good friend, <clears throat> and he had a complete collection of Amar Chetra Katha. Before it would hit the shops, he would have a copy of it. So I remember going to his house just to read Amar Chetra Katha, and he had them well, well bound in those, you know, the thick Katha type cover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Hot cardboard, yeah. Yeah, chronologically organized from like one to ten, every like ten into one packet, and he had all the special editions. So I grew up reading Amar Chetra Katha. I think I must have read whatever till my high school were released in India. So I've read all of them. Even here at home, I have a significant collection of Amar Chetra Katha, uh, but they're in English, and I never had access to the English versions back in Alwar. So I read mostly in Hindi. Uh, <clears throat> of course, you know when you talk about. Uh, Champak, you remind of the characters Chacha Chaudhary, right? I was wondering I how come nobody had mentioned Chacha Chaudhary until now. <laughs> yeah, Chacha Chaudhary and 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 then Pinky and there were another character. Sabu. No, Sabu was a character within yeah. Chacha Chaudhary. In Chacha Chaudhary, of course. Yeah. Another uh, comic strip within Champak that I used to read. But the best book I liked, to be honest, the book that I actually was really engulfed in all the time was Chanda Mama. Yeah, and it had different sections. One of the section was, of course, Vikram Betal, right? We know that later it became a TV series. Then there was a always a running series about uh, Hindu mythology, whether it was or Ganesh or Shiv or Krishna or whoever. They had a running series about that. So I actually used to read that a lot, and using that, I would go to the library and find out the books related to that. <clears throat> so, so, so those were the things. That the third part of my uh, comics was. these are uh, classic books that were somebody in india decided to convert them into uh, not the comic strips but illustrations with stories so i read gulliver stories mm-hmm. sinbad the sailor uh, robin crusoe moby dick all these i read in hindi but you know hindi version with illustrations so so back in the days for me you know chanda mama champak and indrajal comics were the major major influence on my early reading days Look, I think that's a very rich complement of all the comics that we read, and frankly, I was reading the same things. But I want to explore a few themes over here from what you've said. I mean, Vishwas, I think you said that Amar Chetra Katha gave us a more engaging way of dealing with history than our history books, which is absolutely true. Um, but you know, Amar Chetra Katha also had a very fictitious view of history. I mean, and there's one very interesting thing that Amar Chetra Katha did to our imaginations about the history. which i don't think is well understood in india today which is that uh, you know if you look at how in imagery how was the past presented i mean most temples have statues the statues have lost all their color you know we have a very monochromatic monochromatic view of the past and that was the case until raja ravi verma started to 
produced um, you know images in color paintings of our mythological stories in color and started printing them through a lithography press um, and started publishing them you know and they were available in every home and there are a few presses of that kind in uh, in bengal as well but until about 1900 there, there was practically no color available to most people in the way they imagined the past what really brought color to people's imagination is amar chitrakatha and if you remember the style of amar chitrakatha and the way they depicted the, the clothing the way they depicted the palaces and everything else all of it is entirely fictitious but in all of our imaginations today if we if you know if we think of like the mahabharat war or the way people lived or the way you know ashoka lived and all that we have a completely typecast image thanks to amar chitrakatha and then that got compounded by the way uh, it all got picked up in the same the same sort of imagery got picked up in the 1980s tv serials you know ramayana and mahabharat and everything else and so all of us have actually grown up with this image of the past which as a historian i find completely bizarre because that is not what the past looked like at all so that is an interesting feature of what amar chitrakatha did to us but the other thing that amar chitrakatha did to us is that there is much more diversity in the stories that it tells so a lot of things that were simply not covered in history in our textbooks because textbooks just didn't have enough space for it um you know they would cover it they would cover you know the whole story of rana sanga in one whole comic and so you know 32 pages of rana sanga which you would never read from history um yeah so it's an absolute glimpse into the past uh, in that respect um is does that gel with you i mean what i'm saying or uh, do you have a different view so my uh, my thinking is i I, uh, you know it's great that you pointed this out shashi and it's it's very good to know this i didn't know this uh i would add a a, a qualification here that the the standard view of history uh so this is this is coming from the book this uh, book that uh, i read the black swan a lot of our uh, uh listeners would have read that as well by uh, nasim talib so uh one thing struck me from what he has written in that book and and he has written that history is a lot of forced narratives i mean they, they mm-hmm. it, these are disconnected events and we create a story to to weave through those events and and it's the stories that remain with us when we look at history and uh, a lot of uh, uh history is actually created by the historians uh when they create these narratives so uh there are different uh, uh sources of history and they all come with their uh their limitations and and yes i think uh, amar chitrakatha would have its limitations the uh the 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 great thing about them was that they made me aware of uh, of uh, uh, the historical characters that i would not even have known existed uh had uh, the comics not been there oh i think vishwas i mean uh, don't get me wrong i think the the breadth of history that amar chitrakatha provided and you know not just history but also uh, mythological characters that it it got into i don't think we had access to that any uh, in any other way in fact the other thing that i wanted to pick up on is that if you look at the history of the film industry in india then until 1947 and even as long as the british were ruling um it was very difficult to make stories that were of a nationalistic character so if you look at movies from before 1937 uh, there is a huge amount of 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 the film industry that was dedicated to recreating mythology 
in uh, in cinema. So you know, you, you see the stories of all of our mythological characters, you know, um, Tulsi Das or Tansen or um, you know, there's a movie that one of my distant relatives got involved in called Maya Machinder, which is about Matsendranath, who's one of the um, Goraknath sort of off the Gorakhnath group. He was a big ascetic about a thousand years ago. I mean, so these are, you know, obscure characters in some respects, but being brought to life by cinema and being given to the mass audience. And frankly, you know, they it has been a very formative part of India's existence because without the cinemas, without these comics, most people would not have been aware of this. And our, our, our view of our past and of our mythology would have been very restricted to the Ramayana and the Mahabharata and a few stories of that kind. So, uh, so there's no doubting that you know Amarjitra Katha, and in in particular, has had a huge influence in digging out stories that were obscure and bringing it out into the mainstream. I was going to add to that. True, true. So for me, you know, I didn't come from a very religious family, and even my father did prayers every day. It was mostly silent in his, you know, in his prayer room. Like he would go and do silently. So, and Indian books don't really, like school books don't really give you teach about Krishna, Ram, Ganesh, and all that because of various reasons. Of course, you we had Sankship Mahabharat and and Sampoon Ramayan kind of courses too. But I got to learn more about you know the tricks of Krishna and 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 the intelligence of Ganesh and and whatever you want to talk about, like for these sort of Hindu gods from Chandamama, right? Yeah. And yeah. there's more deep, and uh, I, I don't know whether those were fiction, completely made up, or whether those were taken from Vedas and Purans. I don't really know that because I didn't really study. You did more Shashi. But there were fascinating stories about relationship between, you know, Yam and Indra. Yeah. Uh, Krishna and uh, Krishna and uh, and uh, like the, the Dashtavta. Like we read about Dashtavta, we saw the calendars, but the details about from essentially Matsyavtar to the uh, the Kalki, right? All these came for me from these Amar Chetra Katha and Chandamama. And, and it's not something that you go out and talk to priests or your parents or school teachers. Everybody has their own inhibition or reason not to give you or give you a different story. So for me, uh, same and same thing with the all these smaller kings that we had smaller you know the the the, the history books didn't talk about the the social reformers they all came to that it's sad that we learned a lot big part of about our history through these comics and as you were saying could have been made up could have been true who knows but without them we didn't have an exposure to these guys yeah. these characters you, you know Neeraj, i mean long before comics you know if i go back to um, th- there's actually a fantastic exhibition uh, that's op- that's been running for many years in Calcutta about the art of Bengal. And, you know, one of the things that it talks about is that the oldest, I mean, you know, if you look at painting in India, um, it goes back to a long time, you know, Ajanta has paintings that go back 2,000 years ago. But in terms of paintings that, you know, we would recognize as paintings today as in made on paper or on fabric, the oldest paintings that you can find are on um, on text scrolls or text 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 leaves, where there are small paintings in the middle of a lot of text. These go back to about a thousand years. But then from about the 16th century onwards, paintings survive in the form of big scrolls. These are like 10 meter long scrolls, you know, 30 foot long scrolls. Um, and um, the way they would be used is the scrolls were kind of rolled up and a bard or a storyteller would go from village to village and they would unroll the scroll bit by bit 
and in each bit of the sto- of the scroll you know a bit of the mahabharat or whatever story that they were trying to tell would come out in mahabharat and ramayan of course were mahabharat in particular ramayan less so but mahabharat in particular was a very favorite theme of storytellers um, you know everywhere in india including in bengal and if you look at what amar chitrakatha is trying to do it's following that bardic tradition rather than the religious tradition of prayers and you know when we sort of what we engage with in prayers is a very different sort of thing uh, compared to what we engage in when we reading amar chitrakatha so there is actually a tradition that goes back longer captured in the form of comics which frankly is the way we imbibed of it whereas others were doing it slightly differently before us hey that was a history lesson you can't you can't stop me from talking history <laughs> i know i know and 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 the second part of this so so we talk about social reformers religion and all those things also entertainment right uh going to movies was part of our family so we would go to movies uh, pretty much every month but outside of movies we didn't have tv the tv came in uh, in like late 80s for us i think uh, during seoul asia arts or indira gandhi's assassination time so for us the entertainment among our friends was this comics we would exchange as i said uh, i had a, a subscription to tinkle andrejal comics i had i had friends who had subscription to amar chitrakatha some had uh, subscription to other comics so we would rotate that would be our evening uh, thing where we would take our bicycles out go and and rotate our magazines or comics and read to we, we didn't have like this uh, facebook <laughs> or whatever to socially interact this was our social interaction besides you know, neeraj that's a very big part of our childhood as well you know not a, i mean all of us could not i mean no one of us could afford to buy all of these comics on our own so the whole exchange club that we used to run with friends i'm sure all of us did it uh, that was a very big part of our socializing wasn't it yeah yeah and and, and that's the thing right that you know we talk about sharing is caring it didn't matter whether you knew that person or not whether that person was your personal friend school friend mohalla friend it didn't matter you had this exchange club sort of uh, uh, originated impromptu so you would go to a particular shop there was like pan shops so similarly there was a book shops uh, they rented out novels and comics for like a rupee a day or rupee a week so you would just go there and impromptu make friends i actually can swear that have the people that i exchange books with i don't know them i don't remember them but i remember having a group of 10 12 boys that just went there and exchanged books and read them and we brought our books back home or if they say hey can i keep it for a day i'll return it tomorrow there was a trust too that yeah. the other would come back tomorrow because he's going to be here tomorrow for another book yeah you know i mean we i mean i grew up in uh, a fairly secluded neighborhood you know so uh, my dad used to work for a big public sector organization they had their own colony so everybody you know everybody around worked for the same company and so you know there was a huge degree of camaraderie between the children there anyway and as a child i knew everybody in the neighborhood and what comics they had and all that and you would just show up with three of your comics and say can i have three of yours and you would rummage through it and find whatever you found interesting and take three of them away and there was complete implicit trust and bonding that that exchange was a uh, you know a fairly neutral trade and the trade would be honored and at the end of it the, the, your comics would come back to you and you had to return the comics that belonged to somebody else I mean, there was a huge amount of you know what you might call social capital embedded in all of that. But guys, let me ask you a different question. What was the age at which you confronted um, kind of more sort of crafty comics like Tintin and Asterix? Because there is a degree of sophistication about those comics that's different from what we've been talking about so far. 
Yeah, it started really early. Uh, I don't know how we came across our first editions of, uh, uh, I guess we started with Asterix. Tintin came later into my life. Uh, and, and to some extent, Tintin felt more special because it was thicker. I don't know if you remember, Asterix used to be 48 pages, Tintin used to be 52 yeah, pages. 62. So it was yeah. longer. So it's like, oh, yeah. that's, that's a better, uh, better comic. But uh, Asterix somehow, through relatives who started gifting us, so these were very precious. I mean, each one of those comics uh, was expensive. So, uh, and they were not usually available. So I think Neera was talking about going to these comic stores where you could exchange. Uh, I remember not finding these in the comic store. So uh, they started getting gifted to us one by one. And over time, the collection grew. And it's interesting because I didn't, now that I look back and think about it, I didn't really comprehend much of, of what was going on. In the beginning, Asterix uh, was just funny. You know, you saw uh, these guys roaming around, beating up uh, Roman legionnaires and, uh, and doing, you know, all sorts of interesting things, different ventures. Uh, but the historical side didn't get it at all. Uh, didn't get some of the wordplay. There was a lot of wordplay in those comics that uh, uh, completely went over my head. And uh, later on in life, as I sort of read those comics again, uh, I started appreciating a lot of the uh, you know nuance in there and you know historical references stuff like that. Tintin, interestingly, I always in a very shallow way when I was a kid. It felt like you know it's just a story, but there's a lot of stuff in there. Especially yeah, they even yeah. make fun of. Uh, you know, different parts of the world and things that have happened yeah. historically. Some of it is actually, today, if you read it, it's somewhat uh, politically incorrect too. Yeah, I have all those collections now and uh, my kids don't seem to show a lot of interest in them. I read them once in a while. But it, it really, every time I read them, I learned something different. I mean, and likewise for me, Vijay, I mean, you know, I think I got started on Tintin and, and Asterix probably when I was eight or nine uh, and both probably at about the same time. But you're right that those stories are actually very sophisticated and in many layers. Um, and it takes, you know, you get a different understanding of it at different ages. Um, Tintin in particular, you know, would be counted as very racist in some parts, uh, which, which, by the way, it was. I mean, Georges Remy, the author of Tintin, who flipped his name and was called Hege, uh, was, you know, basically a Nazi sympathizer. Um, and it shows up in his comics in quite a few places. Uh, but they're very sophisticated in the stories that they tell. And uh, if you understand the historical context a bit more about what they're talking about and put the stories in that context, um, you know, you get a better, under better understanding of what they were talking about. But Vishwas and Neeraj, uh, your exposure to Tintin and Asterix? For me, uh, unfortunately, they did not come until I landed in Azad Hall. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, uh, by the time I was in high school, I had graduated from comics to novels, spy yeah. novels, right? India's versions of James Bond. So, so when I came to a uh, hall and I got to the library, and suddenly I find this whole Sidney Sheldon, Jeffrey Archer, and of course Tintin and Asterix. That's where I got the exposure to the English version. Actually, matter of fact, I did not even read Godfather until later, in even in Kharagpur days. So, so for me. Um, uh, the transition from novel, uh, comics to novel happened in high school, but to the, the serious novels happened in Kharagpur. So, so I, I, and by the time I went to Kharagpur and, you know, Tintin and I, all these things, I was mature enough to know the, the puns behind it and then and the stories behind it. So for me, <laughs> I was a little bit ready for this kind of comics. Okay. Vishwas? For me, uh, Asterix was uh, uh, was I would some, say somewhere in middle school, uh, and uh, 
my my brother and i used to read them and uh, we really uh, got very influenced by them we sort of uh, uh, you know used to point out things that uh, the other missed uh, when we used to read them and and we started understanding how some of the uh, layers were alluding to how the world works or or making fun of how the world works uh like uh, i think uh, asterix in corsica there's one uh instance where they say that look you know these two chiefs are are in conflict so uh, let's uh, let's have a vote all right let's have a vote uh, the ballot boxes are already full so <laughs> shouldn't the shouldn't the ballot boxes be filled after people vote but well, no the way we work here in corsica is Yeah. We throw the filled ballot boxes into the sea, and then the chiefs fight, and whoever is the strongest wins. So that's how our how our elections work. Yeah. So, <laughs> that, you know, when we coming across this was okay. So this is how they are making fun of democracy, and we we used to read that in history and civics that this is how democracy doesn't work. But uh, then you start seeing that okay, uh, and and one of the stories over there was you know this guy. uh he borrowed that uh, cousin's uh, brother-in-law's donkey and uh, i don't know the details but you know it's very serious so you know yeah. it's it's like that you know the conflicts have such have such a history you you just re- remember the conflict you don't remember why we we are fighting with each other so you know all of this was something that uh, keeps resonating with me every time i i uh, read what is happening today so it was it was very educating for me personally but well, well, you know vishwas on that point i think Asterix in particular, there are two things that, if, if, again, if you are a historian, there are two things that will strike you about Asterix. One is the historical context in which it is set is actually remarkably accurate. You know the whole story about how um, you know there was a battle where Caesar defeated the Gauls and the uh, Vercingetorix, the king of Alesia. Uh, at the Battle of Alesia, the Vercingetorix, who's the king of the Merovingians, he kind of lays down his shield. and all this that's actually factually true you know that actually did happen and then this whole social commentary about different parts of europe you know about um, <clears throat> um asterix in switzerland and their sort of obsession with time and all that stuff um, going off to england and the obsession with the fog in the afternoon and the tea in the afternoon one is a big amount of stereotyping but there's the other part of it is a big social commentary about different parts of europe as well and actually asterix in terms of its political sophistication is remarkable But let me ask you, you know, alongside Asterix and Tintin, did you also come across Marvel comics in that at that age or not? Not really. Uh Indrajal and Mandrake and and a few other Indrajal uh characters is what uh, you know comes close to action heroes. So, so mostly the novel comics I came across were Shashi were pulp, right? and they were bordering essentially adult content right. so, so so they were like this guys just spy novels or thrillers but but the, the you know all the characters were dis, were dressed and sort of uh, made in a way to uh, evoke a different <laughs> emotion over there so that's what i was saying that i, I had gone from no, uh, these comics to novel comics or so novels pretty uh, pretty much in high school uh, i i actually just wanted to take one step back Yeah. So one of the characters that we kind of missed talking about was Vital, 
right? Of course. Right. Vital was a big, huge part of my sort of middle school, elementary school thing. And when I saw the movie, I was super, superbly disappointed. I'm like, mm-hmm. holy cow, there's such a good character. And, and they have completely ruined it. To Vishwas' point, we, as a child, we used to actually talk about like who would win a fight between Vital and Mandrake or, or, or Superman and Spider-Man. And I used to actually be very good at making up those stories. And I wish I had continued writing them. I would have been probably the inventor of MCU, DCU, ICU, whatever that would have been. <laughs> by, the way, by, by, by the way, what you're calling Vetal, that's the Hindi version. That's Phantom. 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 Sorry. Yeah, Phantom. Uh, yeah. Uh, Phantom. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I meant. Not, yeah. not Vikram Vetal. Vetal, yeah. I was like Phantom. Yeah. The, the purple guy, the, the, yeah, yeah. Walker, Mr. Walker, right? Yeah. Right. So... So part of, for, for me, you know, uh, seeing MCU and DC world and then, and, then, and then at the same time not seeing Phantom and there was another Hindi version of it, Bahadur, that yes. was part of the Mandrax, right? Yeah. So, so them not getting commercialized is kind of a bit disappointment because those were the characters I read as a child, Phantom, Bahadur, Mandrax, and you come here and then you see Spider-Man, Superman, a whole plethora of MCU characters and DC characters. So I feel like a little bit disconnected with my childhood because of lack of any commercialization of those uh, characters here. Now, of course, and you know, there was the intermediate phase where all of us as children watched the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man series on TV, uh, you know, which was, I guess, our first introduction to animation of these comics. Vijay? Yeah, I, firstly, let me go back to Phantom. Uh, I don't know if any of us would have grown up without uh, having Phantom comics. And I think the, uh, the Ghost of Walks, those whole stories were really, really fascinating. Uh, you were talking about uh, uh, Marvel, so Dalton comics. So I definitely had access to a lot of these comics, Superman, Spider-Man, you know, all that stuff. I was very interested in this character, Green Lantern. Uh, I thought he was very yes. cool. He could make anything with his ring. Uh interesting superpower but the one that i was most fascinated was by superman even when those movies came out with christopher reeve uh i was so i used to dream about being able to fly so i've always had this uh, <laughs> excitement about flying and i think it came from reading superman comics uh, one other comic which some of you may not have read is commando comics so in the army these oh, yeah. were big um, yeah. You know, all these stories were set in the war with uh, armies and, and fighters. And I used to have these little toy soldiers that I used to uh, reenact those stories with. Uh, very big in the army army days. Uh, another one that uh, I was mentioning as we grew older that I'm sure all of you have read, uh, Calvin and Hobbes. It became really big in my life, uh, probably, uh, I guess, later in uh, maybe, I don't, I don't recall exactly, was it high school or college days? Uh, but it stays with us even now. I have a lot of those collections. Uh, very funny. I mean, we haven't mentioned comic strips, but comic strips used to be in the newspapers all the time. And, you know, they went on even when we were in uh, IIT Kharagpur. You know, remember Modesty Blaze was one of the strips that used to come out in the Telegraph. Um, and we used to all look out for it. But, you know, one of the reasons why I was asking about Marvel Comics is, again, there's a bit of social commentary here as well. That Marvel Comics and Asterix and Tintin and all these were invented at about the same time. Uh, Tintin in particular, Tintin and, and Marvel Comics were exactly at the same time in the 1930s. So in the backdrop of you know, a very difficult time in the world and Nazism and all that growing and fascism growing and all that, um, the response in America was to create superheroes, Superman, Spider-Man, Batman and all these, who go out and fight the baddies. And the response in Europe 
was to create this little boy who's outwitting others by being clever, or Asterix, who is this little guy with indomitable power and all that because of the secret potion, but they're not superheroes. And again, you know, there's been lots of academic studies done on this about, you know, why on one side of the Atlantic we ended up with superheroes and the other side we ended up with something different. And there is always a question about what is most, what is the more endearing form of character that you would remember. Uh, hey, guys, look, we could probably carry on on this for the next few days if you wanted to, because uh, this has picked a seam of very rich memories from our childhood. But I think uh, to give our listeners a break, uh, we will stop here. Um, and we, you know, we might want to come back to some of these comic themes just because they're so rich. But uh, to our listeners, thank you for listening again. Uh, this is episode 25. I'm Shashi with my co-hosts Vijay, Neeraj and Vishwas. Uh, we're signing off now and we'll see you again next week with a new episode of the Indian Diaspora podcast.